son. Where'd you find this? You are now listening to Podcast 42, the world's most popular, inaccurate, and sometimes squirreled retelling of pop culture history. Five years? I don't know. I've mentioned it a lot in the past couple scripts. I don't I don't read the books. He doesn't pay attention to you. No. Or <laughs> <laughs> that. Or that. <laughs> he doesn't pay attention to me. He thought I cracked the hood of the car when I just popped the hood. <laughs> And you, say, your you say pop, I say crack. There was clearly a headlight out. Never seen anybody crack. Like if I say butt crack, you might say butt pop. No, I don't say butt pop. <laughs> I would never say butt pop in a million years. Pop. Not in a million years. That's say, called twerking. You would say <laughs> butt soda, not butt pop. <laughs> yes. No, actually, I'm from Ohio originally, so, so I you would. Do say pop. I would say butt pop. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I told you it's you. time for podcast forty-two. I'm Christopher DeVos. I'm Nicole Fasone. Oh, it goes to me now. Yes. Because we're going to introduce our special guest. I'm Faraz. Hey. Hey. And today we have a special guest who we're going to interview, actor, singer, Craig Ramo. Yay. Hello. A.K.A. Cramo. Cramo. Yay. Nice little contraction there. But before we get into that, Craig, you're going to do our beer cooler. Let's open that up. JL Beer Cooler, it's cooler than you think. JL Beer Cooler, it's cooler than you drink. It's cooler than you drink. Yeah. All right, Faraz, you filled the beer, the beer cooler this week. What'd you bring? Wait, fun fact, just in case anybody hasn't already known this from listening to us, but uh, Cremo does our song for the beer cooler. We, yeah, we'd I, be remiss to not mention I gonna, that. I was going to get into that. Well, I got it first. Ha. Okay. <laughs> she snuck it in there. Well, Look at that. Just uh, Maybe I had a little bit later about <laughs> it. Spoiler alert. But we maybe not now. We, did, we didn't go over that in the pregame, okay? <laughs> Do we, are we not doing your bit now? I didn't have a bit. I just wanted Nicole to feel bad. Oh. I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, it would have gone unsaid. All right, so what would you bring? For this evening's festivities, <laughs> I brought us a Game of Thrones themed beer. Awesome. It is from the Royal Reserve Collection titled Mother of Dragons. I have a question. What is Game of Thrones? It is the HBO TV sensation. I'm just joking. Everybody knows what it is. Sensation. Based on the Song of Ice and Fire novel series okay i was just joking you didn't have to go any further i was i was expecting more of a reaction warcraft acts from blizzard entertainment actually parodied <laughs> song of ice and fire back when it was just a novel series in um i believe warcraft 3 with a map titled a um what was it a symphony of frost and flame oh craig if you were to do a song with faraz how much editing do you think you would have to do uh, I don't know if I'd have enough time in a week. <laughs> Somehow he manages to do it once a week to edit down a script. <clears throat> so, Craig, what we do is we taste the beer now, mm-hmm. and then you can drink it leisurely throughout the show. Okay. And then at the very end of the show, we're going to give it a rating. Okay. And um, if you're well, unfamiliar with the rating, Faraz explains how we rate the beer really, really well. 
if you could tell and with much enthusiasm. Yes, yeah, so if you could tell Craig <laughs> our rating system. Now? Yeah, tell him now. Right now. Right now. Well, he has Doesn't to keep it in mind for while well, he's drinking it. But can I, he needs I was to know still along explaining the way. what will be gracing our palates this evening before I was interrupted. I wasn't done. Oh, I thought you were done. I wasn't done. Okay. I went over the title, then you interrupted me. Yeah, you, you distracted him. You've got 21 <laughs> seconds. So, this here is a smoked porter, and I cannot pronounce this word, and JL's not here, so. <laughs> Creek? Creek? Cryek? My turn? I don't know. I think I need bifocals. How do you spell it? K. Uh-huh. Kraken. R-I-E-K. I'd say creek. Creek. So it's a smoked creek, and yeah. porter creek. I believe ale, it's pronounced butt so. Blend. <laughs> and it is described as a beer for Daenerys. A blend of delicately smoked porter and tart cherry creek brewed for those who nature or nurture dragons. So who's she could drink this naked, right? Daenerys is the mother of dragons. Okay. Yes. I can taste oh, a little Daenerys Oh, okay. In full there, circle. Yeah. I get it now. Yes. <laughs> she can drink this one naked. Yeah. Well, she doesn't do those her. bits on HBO anymore. No? No, her con- No, she reduced her contract. Oh, because she got yeah. too big. Yeah. So now she doesn't have to get naked. Exactly. No. So I'm not going to finish watching the show then. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one other thing that you get from the show that you don't get from the books. Yeah. Boobs. No. The, gentleman, <laughs> the gentleman at ABC informed Nicole and I that once we open this beer and pour it into our, our mugs, mm-hmm. we should inhale a lovely aroma of cherry pie. Smell cherries. Cremo did not enjoy that scent, and I don't detect no, it either. I just didn't smell cherry or pie. She's my cherry pie. Cool drink of water. I don't sing as good as you. so fly. Yeah, just so you know. (laughs) Had to rhyme. Sometimes I sing. um, It's okay to plug your ears. Okay. I definitely get more fruit on the palate than I do on the nose. Okay, well, we'll we'll all discuss that, but you need to tell. I agree with you there. There's more fruit on the palate. You need to tell the rating. (laughs) Oh, right now. So we can. So we we are doing So he knows. So he can think about it. So. Let, yes. Let's cream out. Yes. Normally, how would you rate something? <laughs> like out of five, maybe. Out of five. Out yeah. of out of five, right? That makes sense, right? Oh my god. Right, because like a lot of people, scientifically, statistically, appreciate a five point scale. It is the most accurate scale. But here at Podcast Forty Two, <laughs> for some reason. You know, you know the reason. <laughs> he knows the reason. He it knows makes sense. sense. For some reason, that makes sense to Everyone. these people. <laughs> these? What do you mean by these people? We don't want to be normal, right? We use a six-point scale. Six-point. Because? Based on the idea that beer usually comes in a six-pack. So you're rating how many of these you can drink out of the six-pack. How many of them, in based theory, on the taste, would you want to drink? Because he's always like, I can't finish six beers. It's so like, Actually, well, that's pretty clever. I, li- I like that. It, thank you. you. <laughs> if you can drink out of the six, no. right, that, that right. seems clever. But now it's suddenly what you think you can drink out of six. So it kind of alters the, the effect and cleverness of the scale. Just pretend... In the sense yes. of the six-point scale, it's non-alcoholic. If you had six of these sodas lined up in front of you because it came in a six-pack of soda, would you drink all six because it tasted that good? Or well, I wouldn't would drink you... six sodas in a row, I don't Th- think. We get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you probably wouldn't drink six beers in a probably row. Probably wouldn't drink six beers in a row either. But that's not the point. The point that's is just... Yeah. Could you finish a six-pack just solely based on By flavor? By yourself without yes. sharing it with anyone. Yes. But here's the kicker to you, Cremo. Mm-hmm. You also rate the label out of six. No, no only Chris does I that. I only rate the label. What? 
When was I the last time the you label. rated the label? I've always... You commented, I, but he's yeah, the only I one who gives it an official rating. The label is pretty cool. It's a cool label. I could look at six out of six of those labels. <laughs> yeah, you could line up six bottles and look at the labels. In fact, times. we did at the store. We, labeled, we actually <laughs> we lined up a bunch of them. Because all the labels were messed up, so we had to find the perfect one that was the least messed up. Oh, okay. Okay. For the rating system. Well, I, <laughs> we didn't want the rating to be, you know, messed up based on the torn well, label. If it's, label. if it had a torn label, I wouldn't count that again. Well, we don't know. I don't know. How would I know? All because I know is what I've previously been told. Unless the torn label was the actual part of the whole, like, design effect. Design of it, yeah. yeah. Then that, that would be a different right. Like story. a dragon just, scratched it well, and ruined know. it. That's a good idea. That like would be like really in Jurassic cool. Park 3, yeah. how it was three claws coming through. And that's how they had the three. Or part symbol. of the label was like scorched off or something. That would yeah, be. yeah. Ooh, cool. We should write them. Or she these was, are million dollar she was ideas. Naked on the label. Um, <laughs> that would sell. The contract doesn't allow that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into Cremo. Um, I pulled this from. Uh, I don't know if I pulled this from one or two websites because I, I didn't make any notes on where I got all this stuff from, but it's all all your material. So it says that you are a New York native. That brilliantly combines guitar-driven modern rock with dance to bring forth a unique pop sound that cannot be explained but only experienced. Like our rating system for beer. Exactly. Stop it. (laughs) This passionate singer-songwriter brings a positive and upbeat approach to today's music. Combining the sounds of modern rock, pop, and dance, Kramer weaves a blend of catchy hooks, melodies, and textured harmonies. There you go. There you go. That linger in your mind long after the songs are over. His music can be heard in the feature films Lucky Dog, Culture Shock, Gabe the Cupid Dog, which I suddenly want to see, (laughs) Leaving Hollywood, Super Southern, Sweet 16, and many more indie films and TV shows. Cramo's early influences include David Bowie, The Cars, Morrissey, The Cure, The Beatles, Duran Duran, U2, and George Michael. And Elton John. I would definitely say George Michael a lot. Yeah, definitely. So you were, it says you were born in Messina, New York, and grew up in nearby Ogdensburg. 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 Yeah, hard for you to say, right? Where about is that? What's the closest city? Canada. Canada. Good, <laughs> no. good city. It's about an hour and a half from Ottawa. Okay. It's on the St. Lawrence River. It's right on the Canadian border, so I'm almost Canadian, A. Eh? Yeah. I went to Plattsburgh for a hot minute, and that was right up That's there right, by the border. I fly home to Plattsburgh. Yeah? yeah, there you Plattsburgh go. Airport. See? Small world after all. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to start singing the song. Please no, I won't. I promise. <laughs> it's already singing in my head, and I already regret saying it. So it's a small suburban town. <laughs> yeah, a small, it's a small city, actually. Yeah. Wait, what song? Oh, my God. What do you mean, what song? We're not going backwards. We're going forwards. (laughs) (laughs) No rewind for us. It's a small world after all. Are we singing that? No. No, we're not singing that. Short attention span theater. (laughs) So then in the third grade, you started the alto saxophone? Yes, sir. Now, which one is that? Is that the really big long one or is that the small one? That's the baritone. I played that, too. Mm -hmm. It's It's not the soprano. It's the next size up. Wow. And how long did you play that? I've played it my whole life, actually. On and off, but I played it for about 20 years when I first started playing. Okay. And then you played it in school, in in high school bands and stuff? Yeah, school, high school band, jazz band. Played a little bit in college. Just every once in a while kind of thing. And then times were tough and I had to sell my sax. Oh, oh no. (laughs) But I always wanted a better one, so I ended up getting a better one. Oh, good. That's good. It's... 
happy no. end. Circle of life again. What did what did Bill Clinton play? What Sax, kind? right? Yeah, but I, which? I believe it was alto. Alto. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea. I just knew he played one. I didn't know which type. It's okay. a fun instrument. The I more you know. It. Yes. Well, yeah. now you know. Now I know. Is this my super short show? Now we don't have to do a Bill Clinton episode. <laughs> Sorry. Were we doing okay. that? No, we were never doing that. <laughs> we were never doing that. So when did you um, when did you first catch like the musical bug? Do you think? I think when I started playing the saxophone and getting into musicality and learning notes and and playing melodies and stuff, I just you know I, I remember my earliest memory is probably when I was three years old around there and singing into a hairbrush like my mom's hairbrush dancing on top of uh, my parents bed in the dresser mirror singing a Beatles song I think it was uh, I think it was Can't Buy Me Love yeah something <laughs> eight days a week or something like that yeah yeah that's awesome that's my earliest memory and then uh, my parents were involved in a uh, community minstrel show that they put on every year it was like a, a church mm-hmm organization in uh knights columbus that's who it was yeah. okay and uh, we used to put it on every year and everyone would do little skits and it was like a live saturday night live and pe- some people would sing and you'd do skits and they had a kids program uh section variety show variety show there you go i couldn't think of the word i went all the way around and there you go it pops, <laughs> pops out of nowhere so it's like show. a once a year thing yeah yeah it was called showtime okay and it was cool like showtime 78 showtime 79 you know on and on they did it every year and um, I just got the bug, and we actually sang that song you were singing earlier. Which one? Don't I say sing it. a lot of songs. I sing a lot of songs. <laughs> it's a small and one. The one oh, that Faraz couldn't remember. He just remembered it. Actually, that, <laughs> I, that was the first song I sang in that minstrel show. There you go. Are we closing Quinky with the duet of them singing that song? See, that's no. the circle of life no. right there. <laughs> no, we don't want to torture anyone. No. My live performances are fun, especially spontaneous ones. True. No. <laughs> Unless yeah. you want me to sing solo. No copyright issues what is all solo? across the board. It's solo, you can't Star hear Wars. me. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like a Han Solo song that oh you know? Oh my God, that was a good one, Chris. <laughs> you know what I Bravo. usually tell Faraz uh, when I see him sing, because I have seen you sing, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> you sing- I sing, he should, he should sing tenor, tenor 20 miles from here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking these music jokes. These are great. No, but when I did the show and heard the audience, you know, respond and clap and applaud, it was just like, I just got the bug and I just wanted to be on stage all the time. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I was in plays and mm-hmm. musicals and was in, I had different incantations of my own band over the years and what yeah. musicals uh it's bye bye birdie i was in I wizard of oz nice. uh, little abner okay our town which one was your favorite um i think our town because that was like my first lead i got to play george that's not, is that a, that's a musical no it's not a musical it's yeah. just a play do you remember any of the dance moves from your musicals oh yeah yes yeah. me too <laughs> you never why don't forget? you demonstrate them right now I, it's just a podcast they can't see Oh, we can we can tape it. And no, that's it okay. We don't have to do that. We can anecdote the. Uh... <laughs> so at sixteen, you're starting to write songs, or you? Yes. It says you wrote your first song at sixteen. Yes, I did. It's called Troubles. It's called Troubles. Perfect for sixteen. Troubles is my first song I ever wrote. Yeah. And what what was the influences behind that? Uh, I was Who a troubled teenager. <laughs> Who were you listening to though? Who does it sound like? Because usually at sixteen, I imagine you're you were you picked an artist. And you're like, I'm going to emulate this guy. Or was it not like that at all? It was probably David Bowie. Mm-hmm. It's probably David Bowie. 
that's a that's a high one to shoot for, especially mm-hmm. at sixteen. He's complicated. He is complicated. <laughs> well, troubles is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and it was about you just troubles of a sixteen year old. Just yeah, just just trying to survive daily life and you know family life and family drama and school drama and you know I was bullied and you know mostly middle school and junior and senior high a little bit so yeah so that kind of turned me into a anti-bullying advocate and I wrote a couple songs about it and stuff I know one of them's super catchy and if you listen to it (laughs) it'll be in your head the entire day I got a snippet Mm -hmm. of that one for later which is a good thing good um it's good to get stuck in your head some mm-hmm. things yeah so um i actually forgot the question i had a follow-up to that he wrote a song at 16 his influence was david bowie i don't need a recap the song was called <laughs> troubles we will just move i'm on. just trying to say everything that was just said so maybe it will spark i know what well i could just about. i could just rewind the podcast and get all that detail <laughs> you're not going to do that in the middle of recording oh i know what i was going to say there you go you're, See, you're welcome thank you for <laughs> That didn't Striking help. that spark. That just made me angry. <laughs> does anger um, help your memory? Yes, it does. <laughs> Good to know. Like I, re- like when you were looking at the car earlier today, I remembered everything from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> everything your dad told you not to do. <laughs> but we all figured out what was going on with the car. No, I figured out what was going on with the no, car. No, Laura figured you out what was going on with the crap. car. But I helped you. He popped the hood and Frost thought the hood was cracked. I say crack, you say pop. <laughs> so of your of your catalog right now, I am most familiar with the current things. Mm-hmm. And um, as you mentioned before, you're like anti-bullying. And in the little blurb, it's like you're very upbeat. So was this first song, Troubles, was it not upbeat? Was it, was it teen angst? It was teen angst, totally teen angst. It was a ballad. Yeah. Okay. All brooding. Yeah. I troubles feel you. Troubles are here. Troubles are there. So you can play this song to clips of Kylo Ren. There you go. <laughs> and Where's he worked. Jar? He worked it in, folks. Star Wars reference. We kept saying that we need to get a jar so that every time he makes a Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Batman reference, he has to put a dollar in because You'd be rich. We would be rich. We would pay for a whole lot of beer that way. Is what we keep thinking. We Should still be have no fund, jar. Yeah. Star Wars beer fund. We'd each have our own thing, though, because we all, you know, everybody works something into a conversation all the time. Mm, not me. Uh, Name one thing. If I can't right now, but if I thought about it, I could. Okay. I was really bummed the other way, other day, by the way, speaking of Star Wars, because I saw the trailer for the Darth Vader movie, and then I found out it was just a fan film. I didn't even see that. Oh, it was well, so okay, awesome. It was just I'm a like, man, film? they need to do a Darth Vader movie. Well, now that I want to see so this cool. fan uh, trailer. Oh, okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, send it to me too. Yeah, it's really cool. Post it on our Podcast 42 show Facebook group page okay. so everybody can enjoy it. Go. I will. <laughs> Good plug. You're welcome. <laughs> so did you write any uh, more music in high school years? Or was it? Uh, yeah, I, I got together with, with a good friend of mine. Um, Jeff and uh, we that was kind of my our first little band we uh, we got together and uh, we started writing some songs we, we wrote a couple songs together but I didn't really start getting into songwriting until I was like in my 20s then I moved to California and moved to Los Angeles and started to pursue my career okay yeah um, but before we get to Los Angeles yes in your senior year yes it says that you started DJing oh yes at Big Ed's Dallas Lounge mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, what's Big Ed's Dallas Lounge? It like? was uh, it 
Before that, it was called La Sly Fox, and it was a disco. Oh, I but thought then, it was a strip club with that name. <laughs> no, it sounded very seedy. No. It was the, it was the big disco, and they had a lighted dance floor, and mm-hmm. uh, the they changed owners, and they changed the name. They called it Big Ed's Dallas Lounge, but it was still a disco. It was, everyone thinks it was a country bar. And this was good. in yeah. New York. Yeah. Of course, New Yorkers wanting to be in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand the, I the don't name either. either but <laughs> it was a fun place. Yeah, I. You know, I DJ'd like three or four nights a week and uh, kept the people dancing. And uh, it was like the Saturday Night Fever dance floor, you know, (laughs) it was all lit up, the plexiglass and stuff, which uh, I wish somebody, some clubs had that still. It was such (laughs) a cool, uh, such a cool thing. Does everybody uh, dress like John Travolta? No, actually. Well, there was, there was some leisure suit activity. Yeah. (laughs) Disappointing. And you worked at a radio station at this time too? Yeah. WSLB and WPAC, Pack 93. What'd they play? What kind of music? Uh, WSLB was more like a pop top 40 kind of thing. And so so was Pack 93 too. Yeah. It was more, WSLB was more um, adult contemporary, I think. Okay. They played the easier side of pop music. Like the Pina Colada song? Yeah, exactly. Pina yeah, a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> and then Jimmy Buffett. And he says kind of you stuff. picked up your your moniker, Cremo. How'd that That's, come about? Yeah, actually, because we have to, as a DJ, have to sign the program logs, and so I would always sign it my first initial from my first name, and then my last name, which is Craig C. Ramo. And people just started calling me Cremo. It's like, hey, Cremo, hmm. and it just stuck. And then you know, just that makes sense. Had it my so whole life ever sense. since then. So. Nice. I credit uh, my coworkers for monikering me that. I like it. I was getting a leisure suit confused with zoot suit. <laughs> yes. Zoot suits are more expensive than leisure suits. Mm-hmm. That's yep. the only difference is the price. And the era. Not the style. <laughs> <laughs> What's a zoot suit? It's like from like the 40s, I believe, 20s or 40s. They're really cool, though. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah. The, the, the chain that hangs from the pocket down. Oh, uh, okay. You can only wear them if you're going to start a riot. With a top hat. Okay. Usually. Cool. You can only wear them if you're going to start a riot. (laughs) A zoot suit riot. Zoot suit riot. No, sorry. Okay, keep going. That was way over her head. So (laughs) Most things are. Now we're moving to Los Angeles. Okay, I'm going. Why? Just because that's the place to be? Um, I'll tell you the real reason. Tell me the real reason. I went to school near Buffalo, New York, and uh, State University of New York. SUNY school mm-hmm. called Fredonia and went Yay. to school for broadcasting. Like you mm-hmm. said, you went to broadcasting. Yes. It's October 10th, second week of October. Go to bed, grass on the ground. Next morning, woke up, there's four feet of snow. Yeah, that sounds four about right. Four feet of snow. That was why and I they left. didn't close the school. They're like, no, this happens all the time. We get, you know, <laughs> snow drifts and, you know lake effect and all that stuff and all i had was like converse tennis shoes and you know, a, a light sweater and had oh, no, no winter clothes yeah. it's october and uh i said you know i'm out of here i'm going to california after the semester i'm done that's how i ended up in so Florida. i haven't shoveled snow since and i'm thankful mm-hmm. so it was entirely for the weather it, it was the weather and it, it was kind of my kick in the butt to go where i needed to go to pursue what i wanted to pursue with my life that's how my family ended up from Canada to in Florida. Hey, yeah, it's because the weather. Yeah, weather. Yes, and you've complained about it ever since. Ever since, ever I have not stopped. It's too hot. So <laughs> we're doing the broadcasting thing, but we're singing and acting. So is the broadcasting thing like a backup? 
Was that like a backup plan or? I, I, I earned my living doing it. Yeah. And then I DJed in nightclubs for 20 years in California. That's kind of how I, you know, survived and went to acting auditions and music auditions and worked in a band and stuff. And then I had, I worked at night and I had my days free to do whatever I wanted to. So um, it was good. It was a good. Was it a way to make contacts too or? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I met some contacts and working in the clubs, you know, work with some, you know, some big DJs and stuff, radio stations. Richard Blade from world famous K Rock. He used, mm. We used to do K Rock nights, and he used to come and spin, and and uh, he became you know a buddy of mine. And other people like uh, Richard Humpty Vision and Bad Boy Bill, big club DJs. They came and did like club nights at the club that I worked at called Safari Bar. Okay. So I met Hobnob with some big DJs and radio people. So that was fun. So you hit Los Angeles, and you have listed that you're on General Hospital. Mm-hmm. And days of our lives, and Santa Barbara. How did but, that happen? I just kept pursuing what I wanted to do, and went on auditions, and uh, went to audition for General Hospital, and started, you know, working pretty regularly, doing, you know, just little bit parts here and there. But did you have an agent help I you out, agent, or are you yeah. just a lone wolf? Oh, yeah, you can't really. It's really hard to be a lone wolf. You have to have an agent. Okay. Yeah. Well, I pulled this clip thinking it might be from a soap opera. <laughs> I'm going to play it for you. It might not be from a soap opera, but it's definitely cheesy enough <laughs> at that time period that you were doing the soap operas to be from a soap opera. So tell me what this is. So tell me, that's from a soap opera. It totally is from a soap opera. Which what? one? Days of Our Lives. That's my scene with Bo. And I played a character named Jigsaw. And Jigsaw. <laughs> Jigsaw. You murdered people? You <laughs> held them captive and tried to teach them lessons about being better people? No, I was a, I was a computer hacker. Oh. But I don't think that was, I would think, I would think it was a different scene. That one was, uh, I was a pilot and uh, I brought back the Marlena from being kidnapped and I was the pilot that brought her back hmm. okay. from South America. you seem to know a well, lot about that. she was kidnapped the... by Stefano? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a we fan? Got a days of our lives you fan. Know this, you know the storyline? <laughs> my grandma used to babysit me when I was a kid. And half of that involved putting me in front of Days of Our Lives. My mom watched Days of Our Lives and General Hospital for as long as I've been around. She's been watching it, so I'm sure she has seen that. So you might have been watching Cremo. I oh. might have been, yeah. And you know, I remember when she, who when she got, was. I yeah, when she got rescued, so yeah, I might have seen him in that scene. And you know a lot about airline schedules in that scene. Uh, yeah, totally. So what's it like to be? What's it like being on the soap opera set? It's fun. It's 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 very fast paced. They do. Uh, a whole show every day they, every every day they do a whole new script and a whole new wow. show so it's a really fast pace and it's a lot of line learning yeah that's what it looks like I mean I can't even imagine it soap operas used to be on five days a week but it's a machine I mean those those actors and actresses mm-hmm. are they're they really know. great at what they do and uh, to be able to to do that it's uh, Brandon Ruth comes from a soap opera too right who Brandon Ruth uh, Superman from uh, oh yeah Superman Returns what's he now now oh um Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know who that is, and I don't Superman know. Superman Returns, the movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
He you returns never, to do you, what? You never return, you, you've never seen what? Superman Returns? I Since Zack Snyder took over the Supermans, I have no interest in them whatsoever. No, this is way before that. Okay. Was this Christopher Reeve? This, Brandon Ruth played an imitation of Christopher Reeve, like a very faithful imitation. You've seen Superman Returns, right? Yeah, so Kramo knows what I'm talking about. It's been a while, but... Yeah, yeah. it's an old movie, and it wasn't good. Christopher Reeve is the only Superman for me. <laughs> the only one. I'm, Even I'm after the you, horse, not... he's still my Superman. Brandon Ruth did a good job of imita- imitating him, but... So, of the three soap operas you were on, was there a favorite? Was there, like... Did one run better than the other? Did you like a character better than the other? Did you like, like the cast better than the other? Well, the general <laughs> hospital general hospital cast was really great, and I, I I would have to say that one because I worked more on that show than. Any Did other you meet show. Luke and Laura? Yes. Oh <laughs> my gosh! I was on there when Laura came back to the show after, and Luke came back to the show after being off the show for a while. And actually, I was on there when Frisco and Felicia were on the show. Was Luke's hair real? <laughs> Unfortunately, scarily, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to touch it. We used to say he had Richard Simmons hair. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know this show. He had a perm-ish yeah. kind of hairstyle. Perm-ish. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's kind of like Larry from the Three Stooges kind of hair. And then you are... Then you also did an HBO film at this time, Recount, or was that Recount. later? Ooh. That's later after I moved to That's Florida. That's with uh, Kevin Spacey, right? Yes. Kevin Spacey was in that? Yeah. It yes. was about the um, the Bush uh, the Florida election. election right? Yeah, Ooh. Al Gore. Yeah, what character were you in that? I played a, a news reporter. Very nice. Yeah, that's still on HBO, I believe. You can. And my nice. scene was with Laura Dern, which was she was Ooh. fantastic. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you can get that on cool. HBO Go and HBO Now, I believe. I'm gonna go watch it. Did she smell like dinosaur poop? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, that's disappointing. <laughs> Are you gonna ask? Uh, what's his name? If he smells like dinosaur poop. Who? Grandma? He's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. Yeah, he probably does. (laughs) (laughs) And then you were continuing to still doing uh, DJing at this time, too, in Los Angeles? Correct. Was that wilder than New York area, or was it different, or was the crowd different? Uh, Was it full of drugs? I never worked in New York City, so I I don't know. Yeah. It was it was fun. And I had some interesting people. Said so you were like one of the first video jocks. What's a video jock? Video jocks were um, when MTV started. Everyone started playing videos, and the people wanted to see videos in <clears throat> nightclubs. And so back then, all they had these big VHS decks. Well, they had a, like a toggle wheel on them, and so they did. That was before um, they were advanced. Now these are like the first, you know, industrial nightclub kind of machines and so what you would have to do to be able to beat mix videos you'd have to start like one a little bit faster than the other one like speed it up and let it slow down as you're mixing into the other one kind of thing have i lost you no Mm -hmm. i I got it yeah deer in the headlights look at me (laughs) i think he's imagining like a big price but i was one of the first (laughs) first group of djs to actually beat mix uh videos wow that had to been tough it was very tough. I can't even imagine. And then I worked in a club where we had to play, we were required by, it was a corporation, we had to play 80% video and like 20% records. 
Oh. Wow. And there weren't a lot of videos available at that time, so we had to, you know. Play the same song over and over <laughs> yeah, and over. Which of. song would could you never get out of your head because of it? Oh, uh, The Party Train okay. by, uh, <laughs> by, the Gap, by the Gap Band, which is a great video, by the way. <laughs> but that was definitely a cloud, crowd pleaser. And uh, Atomic Dog, George Clinton, yeah, stuff like that. Madonna. Haunts you to this day. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, so at this time, were you just mostly acting and doing the DJ thing, or were you still concentrating yeah, I was mostly on mostly acting at, at the beginning? Yeah, was that like a route that you had your eyes set on? On yeah, because in high school, you know, I kind of got the acting bug and doing plays, and I kind of wanted to, you know, my buddy and I wanted to go to Broadway and and uh, try and pursue that, and then I said, well. You know, I can't really dance, so I'm not really a triple threat. I can't do that. Mm. So I'm going to go to California and try just try and do commercials and TV shows and movies. Yeah, but Nathan stuff. Lane can't dance either, and he oh, made no. it. True. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> Who's that? Nathan Lane? Seriously. Nathan Pro- Lane does Timon. He was in The Producers. The producers. He was just in the, the true crime of the O.J. Simpson People versus O.J. Simpson. He was one of the lawyers. He Bird was like Cage. a Bird, Bird Cage. Cage. With Robin Williams. Oh, oh, wow. Um, you still don't know, do you? <laughs> huh. Robin Williams' husband in the Bird Cage. Yeah, I know. I've seen Bird Cage. Okay. Yeah. So, can, yeah. You would you're, know who he is if you saw You're just egging us on. Or you really don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call you Ula. Ula. Torch Ula. Song Trilogy. So the next notes I have is that you started to audition to be the lead singer for several bands. Mm-hmm. So did we, what was the transition from doing all these soaps and these movies to suddenly going back to singing? Was there any type of inspiration or what happened there? Music has always been my first love since I was very little. And it's kind of been my escape my whole life. Um, like we talked about being bullied and stuff. And yeah. Whenever I'd have a bad day or, or somebody gave me a hard time, I'd just come home, put on my headphones, and get lost in music. And music just kind of took me to another place. It took me out of my body into a different experience, like I'm not in my own real world. And uh, music's always been my savior, so it's it's like close to my heart. Yeah. And so I decided I, you know, I really want to get back into, you know, performing. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, the power of music, whether you want to produce it yourself or whether you just listen to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just... Absolutely. I mean, everyone can think of one song that makes them happy. Like, every time they hear it, that just puts them in absolutely the best mood that Mm -hmm. they could be in. It's like their favorite song. And there's also songs that touch you emotionally, that move you, you know, when you're having a bad day, that that can lift your spirits up. We all have songs like that. So a playlist yeah. of emotions. Playlist of emotions. Yeah. You know what's weird? Don't no. worry, be happy makes me angry. What? <laughs> have you heard the Pentatonix version of it? Because it makes me really happy. No, I'm just joking. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bobby McFerrin was a genius. They just overplayed that song. They did. I enjoy Watch the World Burn by Hans Zimmer on the Dark Knight soundtrack. But he, yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, yes, we know you love me. soundtracks. Faraz <laughs> loves soundtracks. So you've done a lot of soundtracks. So he'd probably only listen to your music that's been on a soundtrack. He's not going to listen to anything mm-hmm. else. But that's just him. But I haven't done any sci-fi movies or anything like that. So then uh, you started taking vocal lessons with Bobby Warmack. I'm not who's he. I'm, I Bobby probably know Womack, him, but I don't know. Bobby Warmack was a great um, '60s and '70s soul singer and a songwriter. He actually wrote the song "Breezin" by George Benson. I know that song. Yeah. Okay. Is a very uh, amazing. Amazing human being, and uh, he just had one of those 
deep gravelly voices, you know, like uh, Otis Redding and you know all those all those kind of guys. So what was that like? Did he like yell at you all the time, like in that movie with the drummer, or was he like what is that endearing, whiplash? Whiplash, whiplash right? yeah. Or was he like an endearing mentoring coach? Or I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how a vocal coach works because well, I don't sing. I have the world's worst voice. He just taught me how to to live the song and uh, not try to overthink it, but just to try to experience it as you're going as you're going through it and feel the feel the emotion of what you're trying to convey. Okay, yeah, because, you know, sometimes you can watch certain singers and you're like, oh, man, he's really into this song, and then other Mm -hmm. ones are just kind of like, "Ah, I'm getting a paycheck. He's the kind of guy, he's kind of like um, Ray Charles, kind of. His voice was grovelly, gravelly like that, and he would just transform into this um, being when he was on stage, you know, like he'd be like you and me talking, having this conversation, and then when he was performing, he just became this entity, you know, this... Wow, you're just you were just transfixed by his personality, by his performance, by his passion. Yeah, and this, this may sound like a stupid question, but since you don't have a gravelly voice, that really didn't matter in his teachings. It was just all no. about emotion, and it's about it's about getting to the realness of a song. Okay, that which makes is sense. I thought was some of the best, you know, um, uh, inspirational words that anyone had ever told me up to that point. You know. Okay, and then you met up with a record producer, mm-hmm. David Longoria. Yes. And then you recorded your first professionally song, Love Touch. Yes. Yes. I watched the video. (laughs) It's pretty cool. It is very 80s. I am so young. (laughs) Are we we playing the video? We're going to play a snippet. Oh, geez. In my bedroom. What year was that? Because <laughs> it sounds super 80s. It's 85, 6, 86, maybe? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And can you tell the George Michael influence back then? I can. I can. And you got the 80s keyboard in there. Good oh, job. Oh, yeah. Totally 80s What was keyboard. that line? Love touch, you can't get enough? Was that? <laughs> Ooh, I really need your touch now, baby. Yes. But it's not the teen angst of Troubles. No. It sounds more closer to your lyrics now and more up to date. Yeah. So what was it like putting that together? It was a blast. We shot uh, a lot of it on Super 8 film, actually, which is really cool. We got a hold of a Super 8 camera, and my producer shot most... He shot all the video, actually, the footage. Yeah. And then we edited it, and... uh, and what was it like writing the song? Did you did you and David Longoria write that together? Did you write it yourself? I wrote it and he produced it. What was did you have any what was is there any story behind this particular song or No, it was it was kind of about it was kind of about dating and meeting someone for the first time and you know, the first time you touch someone, 
you know, is it, is it a love spark or is it not a love spark? Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes you touch someone and you don't feel anything, but mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you touch someone and you're like, Ooh, what was you that? You feel that electricity. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, you you're can't... on Pandora, but you don't have love to love touch on her. <laughs> yeah, love touch is probably like pre Pandora. <laughs> You should and send I'm, it to them. I'm okay too if an artist says, I, "I just it just came to me and I wrote it." But I don't always expect there to be a story behind it too. There's so. usually pretty much a story, but behind every song I've written. Okay. Yeah. I would Do you say, ever just? I would say. Are you one of those guys that wakes up in the middle of the night and starts jotting everything down? And Not suddenly just, just came in the middle to you. of the night. All like Jerry the time. Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> I'm my little. I mean, when I got when the iPhone came out and they had the little recorder on there, that's just. Because I used to have one of those little mini cassette recorders mm-hmm. that I carried with me all the time. Because you never know when inspiration is going to come in your car or whether you're sleeping. I had it next to my bed. I'd wake, like you said, I'd wake up and I'd sing a yeah. verse or a melody or a, a chorus, and then that'd be it. And then I'd, next day, it'd be a different, you know, little piece. And sometimes you could put the pieces together and make mm-hmm. a song out of the little pieces you had, you know, that you created like six months ago that you forgot about. Mm-hmm. I still have a bunch of old tapes that have a bunch of songs on. We recorded whole episodes of Podcast 42 on a smartphone. (laughs) Yes, that was horrible. (laughs) It was terrible. The OG. Just imagine us all leaning in on this table now with all our foreheads touching, talking into a phone. (laughs) The mind Like a mob kind of thing. Everybody's on their elbows and like this. Mm -hmm. So then we got an EP coming. Be My Girl. Mm -hmm. And... The title track is licensed to an indie film. But how did the how did the EP come about? Did the producers say, "Hey, we like uh, Love Touch so much, so we want you to record a couple songs"? Yeah, we wanted to do uh, more than just a single. We wanted to do like you know four songs, and that was kind of the the thing everyone did is put out an EP. For, What's an EP stand for? Uh, extended play. Now this is the '80s, so we don't have the internet. Right. This is pre-internet. And so we're recording this on cassette tapes and stuff like that? Uh, CDs, actually. Were there oh, CDs wow. in 85? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember. Yep. And then where did, where did you distribute them? Um, we just tried to get them into record stores and, um, you know, word of mouth and hand them out at shows, you know, when you're playing at shows. and That would be cool to see your EP in a record store. I, I don't know what I would do. Well, one, nobody <laughs> would buy my EP because they'd be like... Why did this really sad that there's no more record? Well, there's a few record stores, but not very many anymore, which is cool. That's I'm glad that EP, that uh, albums are coming back. And yeah, I thought vinyls can make a comeback. Yeah, vinyls right? making a comeback. So yeah, I like I like the vinyl. I never for, put out an album on vinyl, but I really that's my next call. Oh, you should. I wonder yeah. how much that costs though. Yeah, it's not that's not cheap. How much was it? Uh, well, nothing it, is cheap actually. Did somebody <laughs> else front the money to do the EP for you, or did you uh, no, have to do that yourself? I did myself. Was that like a struggle to do that? Was yeah. that a lot of money to do that? Yeah, it's it's you know working two and three jobs to save up to put money aside so you can do it. Yeah, I can't imagine the recording sessions were were cheap. Mm-mm. And then how? Where did you get the musicians to help you with that? Did the studios provide um, that or the the producer knew people and you know we'd pay them like a session fee or something to pay to. Come and you in. fronted that all yourself. Well, the producer actually he out he, he helped, helped me on the okay. on the EP, on the first EP. We we kind of worked on it together. So, did you get any money back from that, or did you oh, break no. even? Or oh, no. No. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. That's yeah. the same story. I think I, for you know, it's just just starting now to 
reap some of the royalties and stuff from songs that I've done, but a little bit here and there adds up. And then I got notes that the next video was Take It Slow. Was Take It Slow off of Be My Girl? No, it was a single that actually was a cassette single, which I don't know why we released a cassette single. but <laughs> I had a couple cassette singles. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to do with them. I remember buying them. I remember I had a cassette player in my car. I used to play cassettes in my car all the time. So Yeah, the single was yeah. an interesting concept because... I think at that time, most people listened to the cassettes in the car, mm-hmm. or you listened on your big, gigantic boombox at home. But the cassette single, you just had the one song, yeah. and then it was over, and cool. it was like, yeah. Yeah. okay. Well, it's a, a quick rewind. Yeah. rewind. You're like, play it over again. And the, what really made me upset about the cassette single was that um, at the time, I was really proud of my cassette collection, mm-hmm. and you bought cassette holder. <laughs> and my cassette holder was a module thing, and you could add on to the cassette holder as you got more of those tapes from Columbia right. House that you never paid for. <laughs> but the cassette single was smaller. The packaging was smaller, and so it looked ridiculous when you put it next <laughs> oh, to yeah. your other cassettes, and it threw off the whole thing. And I'm normally not an anal person, as you can, if you look in the room, everything's just kind of everywhere. As far as we got little knickknacks everywhere. And they're just, they're not in any particular order. Are you freaking order. serious? For the longest time, I've been trying to figure out your pattern. There's no pattern. <laughs> no pattern. You know what the pattern is? Oh, I got a new pop. Where, where's there where's a space, there space that I can put it on? That's the pattern. God damn it. Can I, I was help like, you? Why is Hawkeye beside um, Poe Dameron's X-Wing? I, like, I was trying to figure out what you're working, what system. Like, why is Merida right ahead of Homer Simpson? I see a Disney shelf. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Laura's. Some of it's I know. a little organized. But I know what he calls it. It's controlled chaos. But that's- if these were cassette tapes, my God, they would be in order. They'd be uh-huh. alphabetical order. They'd be uh, year yep. coordinated, yep. maybe color coordinated, except for those damn cassette singles. I used to uh, organize my, my closet that way by color and uh, season. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Really? Yeah. I've given up on it since, but I, that's how I used to organize my closet for the past soon- several years. I will soon have a closet big enough where I'll be able to do that mildly efficiently. Mm, mildly efficiently. I have shirts in one spot, pants in the other, and wherever they fall in those hanging ups, that's where <laughs> they fall. I keep my underwear still organized by color. Yeah, I know. I've been, through your, I've been through your underwear drawer. <laughs> wow. I haven't even been through his underwear drawer. (laughs) So now I want to talk about what I've been waiting for forever. I found this out about you maybe three years ago, and it's excited me ever since. Star Search. Oh, yes, Star Search. (laughs) That is incredibly awesome. Reality talent shows, yeah. Yes. Um, For those who don't know, it's hosted by... Ed McMahon, this is a long time ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had people that came on. There was comedians that came on. Brad Garrett, yeah, started. singers, Beyonce. What else? What other categories did yeah. they have? Did they have a band category, or was it just solo singers? I don't remember. I think it was just solo singers. There's a spokesmodel. No, they model. did have bands. They had bands. That's okay. Sawyer Brown. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right, that's Sawyer right. Brown. They did have bands, and then they had the stupid spokesmodel who would take you to break. <laughs> and then she would get judged at the end on how well she said, and we'll be right back with Star Search with Ed McMahon. 
And then uh, Ed McMahon was the co-host of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, for those who don't Correct. know. Correct. Um, how did you get on Star Search? Uh, by a wing and a prayer. Just I went into an audition, and um, they said, hey, do you want to be on the show? I'm like, yeah, I want to be on the show. But it's not it's not like an audition you see for... Um, it's like when you go to American Idol audition. That, that was things. my question. Yeah, totally, totally like Is that. it a big cattle call yeah, like you that? Yeah, you wait in line, and you go, and you... Do your little 90 seconds or whatever they give you. How long did you wait in line? Um, I had a private audition. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Recruit. Yeah. So that was fun. You were a ringer. I was a ringer. Hmm? So. No, go ahead. So I went on the show and I went up against the guy that won the whole thing that year. Dave DeMay. He won the $100,000 that year. And this was like week three or week four that he won in a row. And he was a country singer. He was a country artist. He was a country singer? Yes. And I lost to a country singer. Because yeah, the yeah. clip I saw, one, I didn't know what he was singing. Two, he looked like a Kenny Loggins ripoff. Yeah, he was uh, uh, singing um, an Elvis song, I think. Um, no, uh, I have a clip. Roy Orbison, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. So the song he sang. Is that what it was? Yeah. I could not make yeah. out what he was singing. And I got three and a half stars, which is pretty darn good in that show. And he had... The perfect score, which was four stars. That was a four-star rating system. (laughs) (laughs) So I got three and a half stars out of four stars. And uh, yeah, Yeah, that was my star search experience. He had the 80s hair perm in the back, and it was straight in the front. And in the video, he's wearing a black leather jacket with jeans, and it looked like he was wearing a bolo tie. I can't really tell, but that would explain the bolo tie if he really was wearing it, if he was an 80s or a country singer. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm not, I'm going to sound biased because we're friends, but I watched it and I got to tell you, he wasn't that great. What's a bolo tie? I got a, an so, anecdote about that as well. It's um, a, let me tell him a bolo tie and then tell us your story. Okay. It's It's got like the little badge with the strings that come out. It looks like a belt buckle with strings. Oh, I had those. Oh my God. Oh boy. <laughs> so what, what were you saying? So the song I sa- sung was Some Kind of Wonderful by Grand Funk and which... I had two choices, and then they I, they gave you choices. You get two. You, you get to prepare two choices. Oh, you don't get to pick your own. Two, I mean, you, you don't get to pick whatever you want. They give you here's two choices. That's it. Well, you, kind of. Okay. Yeah. And the other song I wanted to sing was "Desperado" by the Eagles, oh. but the licensing fees were too expensive, oh. so the the production company wouldn't pay for that song. And if I would have sung that song, it would have been it would have been a different ball game. Well, let's hear. They would have made their money back. Yeah. Let's hear. Uh, let's hear Dave, and then we'll hear you. About to hear from the male vocalist, first the returning champion. By day he's a printer. By night he's a singer. Tonight he hopes to be a winner. From Nashville, Tennessee, where he watches Star Search every week on WKRN TV. Welcome back, Dave Demay. Can't you hear that lonesome wind? He sounds too blue to fly. Okay, so right away, the first impression I get of this guy, besides Kenny Loggins, <laughs> is that. He's doing that warbly thing uh-huh. just 
to try to show off his pipes, which he didn't see. Now, this is the only song I've heard by him. Mm-hmm. Granted, I think, what, the whole season's like 12, 13 shows, so he's yeah. done... I don't know how many. Yeah. He's done a multiple... I didn't go back and listen to anything else he did. I'm not sure how many weeks he won or whatever. But anytime a singer is just going... <laughs> every single... You know he's just trying to ham it up and... And, and just show off. That's country music. That's just what no, they do. No, he's not doing the country twang. Yep. He's just doing the... Yeah, the vibrato. The country vibrato. That's vibrato. what he's doing. I couldn't even get through the song. I, I was bored to tears. So at some point, I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point, he went into a high note. He had to above, and then the crowd went, ah, oh my God, I'm, I'm losing it. Here's my panties. <laughs> <laughs> So I was not impressed. I don't think it has anything to do with friendship. I'm being completely honest because yeah. I would tell you, oh, you probably well, should. Impartial when you're listening to it for the first time and you watch it for the first time. I'm- yeah. So you guys heard that for the first time. Now listen to Craig here. Thank you, Dave DeMay. Your challenger is the first Star Search performer to come from Ogdensburg, New York. He moved to Los Angeles six years ago to pursue a singing and acting career. Welcome, Craig Raymond. We're not warbling it up. <laughs> There's a lot of funk in his voice too, like you know, like a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, that R and B guy that taught you, you could. It you was could, fun. You can. I was having fun. You could tell yeah. you're having fun. And then at the end, you have to stand next to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> and Kenny Loggins gets four stars, and you see the look on your face, and you're like, Yeah, you're like, uh, I should have warbled more. <laughs> It's funny, uh, a, a lot of people said that, hey, you did a better job than he did, and blah, 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 and so... It, Definitely. You know, not, not here, they're there, but the, my anecdote to the story is, many, many years later, like maybe like six or seven years ago, and that was Star Search 89, so that was a while ago, I get this email, it's from Dave DeMay. Yeah. He says, hey, man, he said, uh, how you doing? He said, I saw, I saw, you know, a song of yours or something online. You know, we had the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I just wanted to reach out and say, hey. And uh, and so we emailed back and forth a little bit. And he says, I just wanted to let you know. He says, man, I always thought that you beat me in that competition. He said, you Aww. you were, you did a much better performance than I did. And that Aww. really, like, really yeah, touched really me. Nice. You know, yeah. like, wow, for him to come out and say that, you know, because. Yeah. You know, that's really nice. That's yeah, awesome. It was, it was Congrats. Really cool. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. You can you can definitely hear the difference. And if you think I'm wrong, you can find this video on YouTube mm-hmm. and you can watch for yourself. I have a theory as to why you lost. Okay. The South you, always wins. You went to 
stage left or right, I don't know. And some lady's head was in camera view, and her head blocked you for a minute. And then the producers got mad. The judges got mad. That's my theory. <laughs> no. I don't think that's it. No. <laughs> there, there was there was hubbub and a rumor back then about how the show was fixed, and they already knew who was going to win before. I believe it. So, I believe that it. was kind of a what was in the air back then. Now for Star Search, you never saw all the judges. Mm-hmm. They didn't show the judges, right? Like uh, all the shows now, you know who the judges are. And they comment, but Star Search, they don't comment, do they? You just get some they stars. Don't com- they don't comment, no. I don't think. Do you I know who remember. the judges were? Do you remember if you... Uh, that's a good question, no. Or maybe they introduced them in the beginning of the show. They did. Okay. I think there was like three of them, wasn't there? I think there was three. But they just, they did like secret. They didn't comment or anything, I don't think. So don't you think so. never got any critique. And it was no. a one-shot deal, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Unless you won. Exactly. Either go on, it's a sudden sudden death and elimination, yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that show all the time. Oh, yeah, I did too. That's why I was so stoked, you know, to get the chance to go and. How nerve wracking was that on TV and everything? You know, it. You know, you you get into it and you get into, into rehearsing and performing and you're like, oh, you know, this is a big deal. And when I was backstage and I was watching the monitor and then it just hit me like millions of people are watching this. You know, right before you went on, right before I went on, so that's when I was ready to wet my pants. Oh god, (laughs) it was yeah. And then I had to, I went out there and I just, I just rocked it and I just gave it everything I had. So they give you the song choice, and you do you get to practice it on that stage beforehand, or that's the first time I got to go on the stage at all. Oh, that'd be crazy. Yeah. So you have to feel out that stage at that moment, Mm -hmm. and the audience and everything else. Yeah. So you're you're watching Kenny Loggins sing ahead of time, and you're just you're backstage, just I'm and like, you can I got see this. his performance. I got this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, when I heard him sing, I'm like, he's he must be having an off week this week or something. You know, uh-huh. yeah. And that's what gave me the confidence. Like, yeah. okay, there's millions of people, but I you know I got this. So yeah. I just went out there and I just gave it. You know, wow, hundred percent. And then they just say, hey, Craig go out now and you just mm-hmm. run out there and just start singing well you hear him announce you okay. you know, oh, we have to wait for Ed to say yeah. your name Ed says my name yeah. and Craig Raymond is my acting name okay which the story behind that was I lived in Los Angeles which is very Hispanic uh, um, Mexican Hispanic uh, community and people were always thinking because my name is Ramo they always thought it was Ramos they always thought I was Hispanic so I would go into auditions and they're like you're not Hispanic you're not Mexican I'm like no I'm Italian French Italian and they're like oh your name's Ramos and I said no it's Ramo so I decided to go with my original family name which was Raymond which is French Canadian and uh, so I just went with Raymond and that way people wouldn't think that I was Hispanic when I wasn't Hispanic no misconceptions yeah that would explain why you didn't get the Breaking Bad meth dealer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, I also made a note that you had George Michael hair for Star Search. I totally had George Michael hair for Star Search. <laughs> he was my, he was my, he was my pop idol at the time. Yeah. So now we're back into music. Are we still acting a little bit? Are we? Oh yeah. Because yeah, once I, got, I get into acting, I never gave it up. Because so. I got your opening for Smash Mouth. Yes. Was this? 
pre-All-Star hit? Was this like their, were they, this were is, they famous or? Uh, they were famous. Yeah. Their first, it was after their first album. It was Walking on the Sun? Walking on the Sun. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Which is an incredible uh, song by song. Smash Mouth. It's a great mm-hmm. song. Poor All-Star has just Funny ruined their career. concert too. It was at Safari Bar where I was a DJ. Okay. And we had this opportunity for me to open up for them because they were performing at, at my club. So I said, hey, my band, you know, we, we want to we do this. So um, the day of the show, the lead singer for Smash Mouth gets laryngitis. Oh, no. Oh. Can't perform. Just like he did recently at Epcot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, he canceled at Epcot. They canceled. Wow. They were supposed to play at Epcot this and so year. he was trying his darnest to get through you know the set and uh and but we 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 opened up for them and it was fun wow that'd be incredible and you also opened for fishbone mm-hmm. fishbone 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 is an incredibly energetic great band if you haven't mm-hmm. heard them what was that like that was crazy yeah how do you open for fishbone what do I you was even at the sing? same club they they were they had a we had a promoter that came in and started they were trying to do uh live bands Okay. Along with DJ in, in the club. So, yeah. Did you so another just band with called a... Ozo, Ozo Motley, which was a big uh, 90s band. They were out around the same time okay. as uh, Incubus and those kind of bands. I had the Plimsolls, but I don't know the Plimsolls. Plimsolls, A Million Miles Away. It was a big 80s, big 80s hit. I probably would know it if I heard it. And so... Actually, the drummer from Blondie, Clem Burke, played with the Plimsolls because their drummer was out at okay. the time. So. I met the drummer from Blondie, which is really cool. That we did a Ramones show. episode, and Blondie and Ramones hung out a lot. Very cool. But you can't listen to that episode. No. Because it got eaten up by the hard drive. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Modern technology. So now we have you meeting record producer Chris Irwin. Mm-hmm. And is this um, and your songwriter and producer buddy Brandon Jarrett? Yes. Which I've seen his name listed on songs now. Mm-hmm. So are we now in the more modern Cremo with this combination? Correct. Okay. Um, and then you started your own. Is What is Moho exactly? Moho Productions is a company um, that actually Brandon and his wife started. Um, and uh, it was the, she's a choreographer, his wife, and Brandon's a music producer. And... Um, so they started this entertainment company, and then we had an opportunity to do uh, a lead so- uh, opening film title credit song for um, <laughs> this movie called Miss Castaway, okay, um, which starred Eric Roberts, and uh, actually that was Michael Jackson's last film, The Underrated mm. Roberts. Yeah, yep, The Underrated. And um, so we did the. Uh, Brandon uh, wrote this song called "Looking Good, Feeling Good," and. Um, we got it in the the soundtrack. It was the opening when the title starts, the beginning of the movie. It's, oh, it's that'd be cool. really cool. And so we decided to. I had my music catalog and his music catalog. We decided to put our music catalogs together and create a company and uh, start pitching songs to TV shows and movies and stuff. So, so is it mostly you guys as the company, and you collaborate? We have other songwriters and produce and. Uh, Producers and is there under other singers under your tutelage? Oh or? yeah, a lot of singers. Yeah. Okay. Mm. We work with a lot of teen artists and a lot of young kids that are just starting out. We co-write with them, and Brandon produces their tracks. And Brandon's been uh, composing a lot now. He's probably done twenty-five original films for Lifetime Movie Network. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, that's crazy. And they're pumping out movies Lifetime. (laughs) He does like five or six a year, you know, four or five or six a year. And how many of those movies is the husband beating up on the wife? Oh, you know. All of them? (laughs) So you're a member of, you're actually a member of the LGBT plus community. I don't know what the Q is. You shook your head. You don't queer. know what the Q is. Oh, yeah. is that really? It stands yeah. for queer? Isn't that derogatory? Lesbian, bi, transgender, queer. Okay. Queer community. A lot of gays um, identify as queer. Okay. I thought that was always a term that you shouldn't call somebody. Yeah. By the way, embrace. Is it like an embracing? Well, it's like the word fag. It's a, you know, it's a derogatory word if, you, if it's used the wrong way. Okay. You know? I just I didn't know where the queer came from. Is that um? You talked a lot of bullying. Is that does that bullying stem from that from back in yeah grade school or did you absolutely? I was a very effeminate kid growing up. I wasn't really good at sports. My dad, uh, <laughs> funny story. I uh, my dad uh, recently passed in May of this year, and actually I told this story at his uh, uh, in his eulogy. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad was the coach of our little league team, and my dad was always trying to get me to play sports and trying to make play catch and stuff with me. So, um, so I ended up being the the bag boy, and I carried all the equipment and all this stuff, you know. And and he put me out in right field where most people never hit the ball, so yep. <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about <laughs> shagging the balls or catching pop flies or anything, you know. But he really tried. He's like, he's gonna make this kid a sports player, you know, and I just, it wasn't in my blood. It wasn't in the genes. Mm -hmm. So out in right field one day, this kid goes up to bat, hits a line drive, comes right at me, hits the ground in front of me and rolls right between my legs. (laughs) And I'm out there like picking dandelions. Like, (laughs) like, it's like, I hear him at the home base. Home base. He's going, Craig, Craig, get the ball. Why are you picking flowers? What's wrong with it? (laughs) Everybody's laughing, like, get the ball, get the ball. And I'm like, what? I didn't even see it go through my legs. There's a ball game happening right now? Yeah, I wasn't even paying attention. I was like in another world. Like, I was in my own Craig's world right then. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Oh, it's funny that you say that you were effeminate as a kid because, and we're, before anyone gets mad, we're in Orlando, so we're a very (laughs) um, tolerant city, and we have a big gay community. So there's The Merit actually recently posted on his social media that, despite the federal government's new uh, gender identifications, that Orlando will remain an inclusive city. Okay. Despite all that stuff. So it's like a city policy to remain or to be all-inclusive. But what I'm saying is that there, you, awesome. you, you see all sorts of different lifestyles, and mm-hmm. I would not put you in that effeminate category at all. You didn't... So... Um, I just thought it was funny that you said that, because I would... I, would, I don't even think I'd know you were gay. Well, it, it's it's funny. It's it's kind of weird because I've kind of had to. Um, I was like, I was a chameleon, and I had to change my mannerisms and and change, try to butch it up, if yeah. you would say, because I worked for a lot of jobs and a lot of very um, homophobic um, um, employers mm-hmm. through through my years, and so I had to be more masculine and be more. You know, Cracker Barrel. Try to drink. (laughs) (laughs) You know, make my voice deeper, and you know, and then, you know, I think radio helped me a lot too because I had to, 
Yeah. I can be I this is Mr. DJ and <laughs> the next song is you know. Although that's perfectly acceptable. Today. It is that it is now, but yeah. back then, you know what I mean. Sometimes it's even required right. now. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna sell anything unless you're gay. Yeah, exactly. How now times like, have changed. You have to have the LGBTQ person on your yeah. Oh, like HGTV. Yeah, right. I pregame this question to you earlier because the love touch. Let's go back to love touch. Mm-hmm. And you made the video. I think it was love touch video. Yeah. Um, and you got you're gyrating with girls and everything. So did the producers and the people who were working with you, did they know you were gay at that time? No, I wasn't out at the time. Oh, uh, so you had to hide it? I came out when I was thirty nine. Okay. I was a late mm. bloomer. Mm. Was that here in Orlando or somewhere else? It, uh, it, I, well, I met my partner here in Orlando mm. when I was 38, and then we moved to Florida, uh, to California together when I was 39. Okay. So, yeah. So, was that difficult to be like, they got like, I don't know, direct, I could just picture the director saying, okay, Craig, you're going to be in the center, this woman's going to rub her boobs all over you, I want you to really get into it, and pull her hair and whatever. Is that well, I was just... dating girls at the time, I was trying to live the, uh, you, know, okay. you know. The bachelor life. The, for the yeah. parents or the family, you know, whatever, you know what I mean, everyone's picture perfect of what I sh- should be doing, you know what I mean, because it, you know, wasn't widely accepted, you know, in Los Angeles it was a lot more but you know, yeah. back in my little hometown and stuff, and so I just so it was never pretended. A yeah. It's just this is what I got to do. I lived to... with a couple of girls. I lived one with a girl uh, for two and a half years oh. yeah. when I was on Star Search, actually. Was she mad that you didn't win? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even. I don't think so. No, I was... she had other issues. So that brings me to "Be Myself." Yes, which is the catchy song. Um, I do love that song. It's, it's a great a song. song. Yeah. So, it, was this song inspired by this whole history that you've collected? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I wanted a, I wanted a song that that could give back, you know, for all the songs that helped me and get through, you know, my tough times, you know, being bullied and stuff. And I wanted a, an empowering song that kids could sing and say, "Hey, it's okay just to be yourself. You don't have to change." to be what anyone else thinks you should be because it doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is you and who you are and you can't make yourself something that you're not. Yeah. I mean, try to, but you, you'll always be unsuccessful. You should always be yourself and be true to yourself. You definitely convey that message. The lyrics are, the lyrics are catchy and you can definitely hear that. Hey, just whatever, just, take it and you shot the video with um a guy in drag mm-hmm. and what was you, you guys are walking down the streets of orlando doing that absolutely how was that experience did you get any crazy looks or no I just the one that we planned in the video <laughs> like oh was that we're, planned when we're yeah when, okay. we're, when, we're, when we're getting on the the um the sun rail the train and there was a couple that were like talking and pointing you know that's we, we kind of plan that to show that you know that's what people do yeah you know it's like oh that's a man in drag you know what I mean ooh how scandalous yeah it's really not scandalous at all no it's just it's someone not hurting anybody yeah it's not hurting anybody it's just someone living their life and you know being who they are being true to themselves yeah but just uh, just in general though let's take the drag aspect out of it 
just walking down the street shooting this video, how's that like? I mean, did, did those people know that you were walking by that you were shooting a music video? Uh, or did they just, or did you some just people like, did we're going to walk down the street, shoot the video, and leave? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like gorilla shooting. Yeah, it was kind of gorilla filmmaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people knew we had some, you know, extras in the video and stuff, like like those two. Yeah. But um, for the most part, yeah, when we're, I mean, we walk by coffee shops and the, you know, street cafes and stuff, and people just, you know, oh, look, they're shooting a music hmm. video. No big deal. Nobody, Do you, re- nobody really cared. Um, Playing, like, do you, how do you like do that? I've always wanted to know. Do you actually play the music while you're walking so you can get the lips Absolutely, right? Yeah. Okay. And then you just dub it in later. Yeah, it has to be playing like at the same speed or it gets off off sync. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think that would be weird whether the guy is dressed in drag or not to see this guy. <laughs> this camera following this guy and he's lip syncing, but I pictured no sound. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, you have to, yeah, because you never you never match it up if you don't have the sound playing. Yeah. Do any other, like your like we talked before, your music is very inspirational. It's mostly upbeat. Um, well, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to anti-bullying message, but I, I didn't want it to be down and you know um, overly emotional. I wanted it to be uplifting and inspirational, yeah. and I think we you know achieved that. Definitely not song. that sixteen-year-old song. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, no one would want to listen to that. <laughs> so, is there any other? Do you? I wouldn't say that your music. If you listen to your music, you're definitely not going, oh, well, this is a gay artist. But has that lifestyle, does that convey in all of your music? Is there any type of like theme or does it matter or is it just? I don't, I don't think that matters at all. I think it's just the inspiration of the, of, of the song or the, the idea that you're, you're trying to convey in the song doesn't have to be straight or gay or. Yeah straight gay or bi or whatever you know it doesn't have to have a label it's music it's you know it's a song it's yeah it's passionate it's because there's one thing that song does do is that you could apply it to anything absolutely you could apply it to uh i got weird hair and everybody hates my hair Mm -hmm. it's just it's the same thing not just uh lgbtq people get bullied (laughs) right everybody gets bullied every kid gets you know not every kid but most kids get bullied at some point or another, yeah, you know, and it's, and it's really, it's really sad the, um, um, the suicide rate that's gone up from kids being bullied and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I have a, another song called "Moment" that's about um, suicide prevention awareness. It's my uh, first cousin took his life, and that was the inspiration for that song. Oh wow! Sorry about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was one of the most heartfelt things that I ever recorded actually broke down in the studio when I was recording it and it was just it was just so real you know the situation but I I wanted to give people an uplifting song about having you know we all go through our days we all have moments in our days we have difficult moments we have happy moments life is a series of moments you know and some days they're not so great and it I wanted a song that could convey that no matter what you're going through it can always get better. So that's kind of what yep. what I did with that song. Yeah, definitely. And you had another death in the family where you wrote a very touching song about um, your mom. My mom, yeah. That was the hardest day of my life. I'm yeah. sure. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yep, she was my best friend. She was my, my rock, my inspiration, my, uh, my confidant. She was always there for me through all my heartbreaks through all my relationships you know in my life and uh 
So uh, I wanted to do something to contribute to her and have her memory live on. After you completed the song, did it help anyway make you feel better? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And every time I listen to it, it just it, it just makes me smile and I see her face and yeah. I know that she'd proud of, be proud of me. Actually, it's a song that I wrote many, many years ago, like like around Take It Slow. Yeah. When the cassette single came out, I wrote it around that time and I only did like little demo versions of it, but I never did a full, you know, recording of it. And I said, someday I'm going to do the song. And I said, now's the, now's the time. Cause my mom always thought it was one of the, her favorite songs that I ever recorded. So. Mm. It's very beautiful. And it's different that I'm, I haven't heard your whole catalog, but it, it definitely is different because it's, it's a ballad, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, based on the subject matter, it's very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So what does December rain have? Is it, does that have any special meaning? It's about, the song is about unrequited love and it's about loving someone who doesn't love you back. And we've all been in that situation at some point, you know, Yeah. when you are infatuated with someone and they just don't feel the same way that you do. Yeah. I didn't know if December rain had specific, is that any specific December meaning rain itself? December rain is kind of like a, um, another way to say uh, tears and crying. Where can we find all this great music we talked about? Oh, by the way, I'm going to play at the end. I'm going to play Be Myself and um, the new song. Funny, Take It Slow is a remake of my own single, the cassette single. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I always wanted to to have a do-over. So I did a do-over in that song, and it's fantastic. I, I really love it. We just finished the music video. It's going to be out next week. Yay. Brand new music video from Cremo. Take it slow. Got to say hey. And which is dedicated to my dad who recently passed away. Okay. And um, it's because it, it was one of his favorite sayings like in the 70s. It's hey, take it slow. You know, whenever it's, he'd leave his friend. That sounds friend. 70s. It's, yeah. it's, very, it's very 70s. Awesome. Very 70s thing. So now that everyone's heard you, where can they find you? Where's uh, the best place to find the Cremo catalog? Not Pandora. <laughs> no. iTunes. Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, all that stuff on there. Um, the best place to find me is uh, Cramo.com, C-R-A-Y-M-O.com, which actually is going to uh, Reverb Nation page right now. So my website is having issues. And that's mm-hmm. where you can buy your music off of Reverb, right? Oh, yes. Is that where you buy it? Yeah, iTunes, okay. CD Baby. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming in and yes. joining well, thanks us. Thanks for having me in. Um, it was fascinating, and I tried not to talk for two and a half hours on Star Search because <laughs> that's what I really wanted. <laughs> that's to what do. you really wanted to talk about. <laughs> but you got some juicy info on that. So that's yes, cool. I did. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm still. Like, Ed McMahon was a really cool guy too. Was he? Yeah, he was a really cool guy. He seems like he would be drinking in the corner to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. He was a drinker. Well, let's rate the beer. Oh, yeah, the beer. We Out have to rate six. the beer. Just remember. But why don't you start and show us how it's done, Nicole? I thought it was good. I definitely don't feel like it was a beer, especially when one of the words that they used is smoked porter. It did not taste like a porter to me. No, not at all. It's supposed to be an ale. It says smoked porter and creek ale blend. So I would mm. expect some notes of porter in there, and I didn't get that at all. I got ale. I got... It, it was very light to me. The flavors were good. It. I'm not a huge fan of cherry overall, but uh, I don't know if it was too cherry flavored. 
I'm gonna have to give it a a one. What? It, it really just didn't. What? It didn't do much for me. Really? Yeah. It, I'm not a fan of the flavor of it, and it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, you hear Dragon's Blood, you think it's gonna be something robust and heavy and well-rounded, and I just, I just. Nah, it wasn't what I was expecting, and it wasn't anything to write home about, in my opinion. The dragons weren't one of their, singing. One of their sturdier brews is the um, the Red Wedding one. Uh-huh. The one dedicated to that. Have you had that one? No, I haven't. That had was a good one. one. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't. Oh, they have a whole line that. of different beers for um, the different seasons or the different uh, event main events in Game of Thrones. Ah. So there's a Red Wedding. Um, there's um. Mother of Dragons. The first season was... Thanks for that. Now I have to try them all. Yeah. <laughs> game um, ABC usually carries them, but I, you could probably order the previous ones from online somewhere because they only have the current ones They only have the, the current ones. Yeah. Okay. So I half agree with you, Nicole. It kind of does taste like a Fago soda pop. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it said porter and it didn't taste like a porter... Makes it a four for me. <laughs> Chris likes okay. that flavored stuff. Yeah. I'm, well, yes and no. I really don't get a whole lot of cherry flavor. Um, it is fruity flavor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, but um, when you say porter to me, I'm like, oh, unless you're going to pour coffee in it, I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> and um, it does, it's not heavy like a porter at all. It is really light. Yeah. Um, I do compare it to a Fago... Uh, red pop so i'm going four okay it's like it reminds me of like a really light meat almost because it's sweet mm-hmm. but it's not as heavy or dense as a mead would be i guess um i definitely don't get the porter it's full-on ale i don't hate it <laughs> <laughs> but you don't love it i don't love it i could probably do two and a half two and a okay. half out of six wow craig I'm with you. I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. I want to love it just because yeah. of the name and because of what, yeah. you know, the that, dragons and everything. But um, I get a little fig, like cherry oh. fig, mm-hmm. like in the after in the aftertaste of it. It is fruity. Um, it is more of an ale, I believe. I, I like the... I like the uh, I'm conflicted. Yeah. yeah. I give it about a four, I think. Oh wow! I give it about a four. All right. <clears throat> now going now, on. I that. don't. I don't usually like like flavored. Yeah. Beer. Yeah. You know, for the most part, but um, I, I like this. But going back to the label, the label's fantastic. Oh, I didn't really get to look at the label. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. label is incredible. The label yeah. is incredible. That's a six. That's <laughs> a six. The label's all definitely the way. A you six. could look at six of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could look at six of those. We'll bring you to the store and we'll look at them all again together. <laughs> it's a paper label, so we should steam this off and hang it on the wall. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You win on label. All right, well, let's do an e- We got an email. We have one email one tonight. Email. It, uh, if you want to email us, email us at podcast42show at gmail.com. Make sure to type the numbers 42. Don't write the words 42. Be a bear emailed saying, asking, I'm sorry, asking Netflix or Hulu. I can only afford one. I think be a bear. It depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for an alternative to cable where you can find up-to-date shows that are on TV currently releasing episodes that you want to be able to watch without paying for cable? Because then I'd say Hulu. If you want all the cool original programming and a whole huge library of movies and past TV shows, then maybe Netflix is more your scene. Hulu has original stuff too. 
Yeah, not as much. But not yeah. as much. And I don't think anything as good as what's on Netflix. Yeah. Every, I mean, they've got maybe one or two that are claimed. Everyone but, said that Handmaiden's Tale was really good. And I was bored to death with that thing. I was disturbed. I couldn't watch it. It was disturbing, it but it, disturbing. it just... It dragged. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talking mm-hmm. to get to any shocking type things. of yeah, yeah. When she's birthing babies in front of everybody, that's about as exciting as it gets. And then oh. we're back to <laughs> we're back to more talking. Back to more talk. I say definitely Netflix because the original shows are well worth it. Like mm-hmm. Daredevil. God, what did you do? <laughs> Daredevil is the best of those Marvel shows, but those Marvel shows are bad. They canceled all of them. They should have all been canceled. Yeah. The, Daredevil is um, the highest rated one. Well, Jessica Jones came up on top when Jessica Jones came out. Yeah. Now Daredevil's back on top, I believe. That first season of Daredevil is rough, though. I love the first season of Daredevil. I think it's incredible storytelling. It kind of plays out like you're reading a well-written novel. Like I like that slow burn plot. Season two changes the pace quite drastically by going right into the action. Yes, that's what we need. Which it's is a superhero really cool. movie. Season mm-hmm. three goes back to that slow burn plot, which works out really well with when you have the Kingpin as the villain. What do you think, Craig? I'd say Netflix for the, the, the original programming. I mean, Glow was just one of my favorite shows last mm-hmm. year. That was just fantastic. And I haven't started watching the new season yet, but I can't wait. Stranger Things is Netflix too. Stranger right? Things, yeah. Stranger Things, House of Cards, Ozark, Big Mouth. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's yeah. oh my gosh, the list is never. The Haunting of Hill House, the new one. That's oh, really yeah. Weird. yeah I haven't I'm watched it yet. Watch I want that. to. I really want to Travelers is a great show too. It's about a house on a hill that's haunted. Wow. What? <laughs> what an original concept for a I'm horror movie. Episode <laughs> Episode Three of Lost in Space, and I think it's fantastic. I like that. I couldn't get into that one. I like it. I, I wanted like to, it. but I couldn't. I wanted to because it totally ripped off the aesthetics of the Mass Effect video games, but it's like did not borrow any of the stories. I was a big or the fan. quality of I was a big fan of the original shows. So. Yeah, my mom and I too. Like we, we watched the originals and like the movie that came out with uh, Joey from Friends, mm-hmm. and. Um, I was excited for this remake, and I just, you're only on episode three, so I'm not going to say why I've lost interest, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't finish it anymore. Oh, really? Black Mirror. Black, Black Mirror, Mirror is fantastic. Amazing. They have a yeah. lot of good documentaries, too. They do. So many good things. Netflix. Netflix seems to be a clear winner here. Yeah, Netflix, mm-hmm. definitely. Cool. All right. Well, you can find us all over the internet, wherever there's, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there, too. Like Spreaker. <laughs> Find us on Spreaker. Yes, definitely Spreaker because we get paid if you listen. And you don't have to pay us anything directly. You can just listen on Spreaker and they'll pay us. That's a good deal. (laughs) You pay vicariously through them. Free for you, payment for us. You know what else is free? Joining our Facebook group, the official Podcast 42 Show Facebook group, which will ask you to request to join, but we will approve you. All you have to do is write in what episode you listen to. When it asks how you heard about us. Also super easy. Yeah. Very easy. And we post a lot of memes. We had a meme checkpoint today where everybody had to post the most recent meme on their phone. Mm. Got a lot of buzz. Lots of laughs. A lot of Check buzz. Check it out. Use buzzwords. Buzz. Hey, I want to do a shout out to JL too. JL's be a cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I do appreciate you coming. It was yes, a long drive you. for you. 
and answering my stupid questions. There, there are no stupid questions. There's, right. I have nothing but stupid questions, and I'm <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> I am proud of my stupid questions. I worked hard. I've got sheets of paper. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And once again, you can find... if. Just type in Cremo and Google, and you'll get a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's all there. That's how I found out everything about you. I just typed in in Cremo, and there's like 20 web pages that I didn't even get past 20 web pages. I had enough information in the first 20. So then you can listen to more of his music. Um, Check it out, and check out my favorite song out of the whole bunch: "Be Yourself." Yes. Be myself. Be myself. I don't know the title, but I can sing it. But I can correct you. (laughs) You don't have to know the title because it's going to get in your brain and it's going to be there all day long and it's got a great message. All right. Well, I'm Christopher DeVos. I'm Nicole Fasone. Oh, back to me. I'm Faraz. Hey. And our special guest. Craig Ramo, a.k.a. Kramo. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. See you later. Oh. Fairly well. Ciao for now. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this, Chris. I know, but you like... started that, and then every week I have to remind you to do it. <laughs> Short attention span. Bye. Bye. I don't want to be what you want me to be. I just want to be myself. I don't want to love who you want me to love. I just want to be myself.
is a riddle that goes on and on. You get stuck in the middle. That's when you gotta be strong. You see, the time is a teaser that plays with your mind. But if you work to make it easier, you know your life is gonna be fine. Taking chances every day, it's time to raise the stakes. The only changes that we make is when we learn to make mistakes. You've got to love to live and live to love. It gets harder every day. Autumn leaves are on 
Taking a chance on you, a chance on me How can I see the warning signs When all I feel for you is sympathy You are mine. 